Welcome to Talk Save Culture Talks, the podcast of Paradisic, the Pacific and Regional Archive for Digital Sources in Endangered Cultures. I'm Jody Kell. And I'm Stephen Gagao. These are conversations with people who have personal and cultural connections to the languages and music in our archive. follows on from the discussion we had in the previous episode with Sydney University ethnomusicologist Michael Webb concerning the recordings he made during his PhD research in Rabaul in 1993. If you have already listened to Rabaul, PNG, the Tolai and the Researcher, you will be aware that my co-presenter Stephen Gagal has a personal and cultural connection to Michael's recordings as a Tolai man from East New Britain. We suggest you listen to the previous episode as it covers the history of the region and its music, as well as how the recordings in the collection MW6 came about. For this episode, I chose excerpts that cover the range and types of music in the extensive MW6 collection from the categories of traditional, choral or choir, string bands and contemporary music. You can hear these excerpts as Michael and I discuss how they reconnect the history and evolution of music culture of Rabaul in the province of East New Britain, Papua New Guinea. The conversation arising from the excerpts moves between a kind of musical quiz and an emotional journey as Michael hears the recordings for the first time in 25 years. I was struck by the way the music evokes the memories of both Michael and Stephen as they share their insights into the history of the Rabaul region and how music is central to the expression of Tolai identity. a quiz for you. No, I, I, just, I just wanted yeah. to put it out just to, to so, get you to hear it. Because it felt like a, um, you know, one of those blindfold tests where you have to sort of, so you know, I just say, just it's play them. It's not really what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I just say, just play them. So that's Tapialai, yeah. Yeah. Tapialai, um, so I think this performance, from what I can remember, was at one of those mass uh, events where there's different dances going on at the same time, right. sort of next to each other. Correct. WLAM, one of them. Tubuan. Tubuan songs. It's a Tubuan, the mask. Yeah. Can you describe that? It's a mask. It's a full body mask. Full body mask, a conical mask that comes down. And I was explaining that there are two types. The Tubuan is the one with the eyes, and it's really the symbol of a female. Uh, because we are matrilineal, that, that's the foundation of the Tubuan society. Then you have the Duktuk, which doesn't have eyes, mm. and they can complement each other, but the Duktuk is a male, but the son of the Tubuan, actually. 
in the chain. So the the mainstay is the tumbuan, and and these songs are, you know, depending on the the ceremonies that. Uh, but this is from a matamatam, meaning that we honor the a funeral, dead, a funeral, yeah. and we honor the dead. And um, one of the the things that intrigued me about that kind of singing is that there's no breath. Yeah. I mean, so people are breathing, but there are no rests in the tune. Yeah, right. Um, mm. So the tunes just go over and over, and it's sort of so. There's a group of men singing, and they go, they cover quite a range, and they're in that that sort of the vocal proje projection is quite um, strident. The vocal style involves sort of breathing a little, uh, singing a little bit on the inhale. So when you're getting to a point where you've run out of air, you inhale as you sing, yeah. and then you sort of okay. a bit like playing a didgeridoo in a certain kind of mm. sense, in that you're inhaling at the same time as you're singing. Yes, yes. Uh, so you're singing more or less backwards, you might say. Mm. So you'll hear the drumming. Uh, I, I'm hearing the kudu only. A kudu, right? yeah. And there's a, a tidir, tidir, okay. or pakupak. But yeah. this one is mostly. Uh, so the tidir is a small bamboo mm. uh, idiophone, and the yeah. pakupak is like a small bamboo um, yeah. slit drum. That's right. Yeah. And the kudu is the. A Gunantuna language name for the drum, the hand drum, the mm. sort of cylindrical. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, also, the Tole play the kudu in uh, a different way from anyone else. Mm. Maybe, maybe the New Islanders uh, play it the same way, mm. but it's a sort of what you might call upside down. Mm. So the open end of the drum goes over the shoulder, more mm. or less, and so you're playing it like that because the drummers are sitting down. Mm. Whereas um, on the mainland, most of the, the drummers are almost always dancing at the same time. Dance at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Is that we have singers and we have the dancers. Yeah, okay, so it's an orchestra kind of In, in this case, the, 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 the instrumentalists, the drummers, will be men, yes. and the women are the dancers yes. and singers. So the singers are dancing, and the dancers are singing, you might yeah, yeah. say, but the drummers are sitting down. Uh, it's very important that you, you really engage, aesthetically engage yeah. the audience, because yeah. that gives the performance yeah. its power. The power is, yeah. comes from the engagement. So, yeah. and, and you see that it's always in, in formats of lines, that uh, yeah. there's a pattern, so if you read the pattern, the back, Two will always either go yeah. up to the front, and and there's a there's a so you see it to understand. I haven't looked at this video, but yeah. I mean, there's either two rows of two or yeah. rows of four Ro rows or of six, four. and so yeah, on. Mm. depends yeah. on the rows. This this one's a four a row of four, so mm. yeah, and people so pair off and then go yeah. in the back again. It's a bigger bigger dance. A smaller dance would be a rows of two. Yeah. So. And they'll dance ones oh, yeah. or little the dance one, objects. objects and that and, oh, yeah. and their headrests. Yeah, come on. So those will have significance and also the paint that's yeah. uh, all of all together, everything, the whole ensemble, including the rhythm of the drums and the songs and the lyrics and whatnot, all tell a story and it's you have to know all of them to yeah. be able to get yes. something. Yes. Mm.
because that I think that was at a rehearsal. I think this is uh, Tolop's choir at Vunaroto. Uh, Correct. Yeah, um, he had one of the best choirs um, on the Gazelle. Uh, he was a long-term um, choir master. If he's still alive, he'd be well into his eighties now. Yes. Um, and stop yet? Um, uh, that's where I wanted to pick up some loose ends because I, you know, yeah. sometimes I'm away and sometimes yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, it'd be great for him to hear these recordings. Yeah, and, and, and this is where was he's one of our icons. Yeah, he was a great friend to me as well. Yeah. Uh, Tolop, lovely man, uh, and his wife as well. So he invited me up to a church service, and this was bef this was practicing before George Brown Day that's in correct. 1993. George Brown's the, the kind of the great missionary celebrated. Um, by a, a memorial choral day every year. Every year. Uh, that marks the year of his arrival in 1875. But his arrangements are very interesting. So you first hear the women singing before the men even come in, and not being able to see the choir, you think it's a women's choir. Because uh, they have women's choirs and men's choirs, but they also have mixed choirs. And then he has the men come mm. flying in. And then the second verse, the men take off. Mm. Uh, so he was always doing tricky things with his arrangements, um, just a little bit different, just to get that edge to be yes. the best choir. And yeah. of course, he had the skill mm. as well. Mm. And also, you can hear incredible power and energy in, in the singing. I mean, that's, in, in my estimation, that's a sort of a transfer over of the the kind of energy that comes from um, the singing of uh, traditional dance songs right. over into hymnody. Okay. Um, so you get the same kind of... Um, the, the music serves a, serves a related sort of ontological function. You're singing yourselves together, just as in dancing and singing you're performing yourselves together. Well, just to for a contrast on on this, uh, one of his other great competitors or best friend too is Andrew Median, yeah. and um, but I just wanted to compare the, yeah. the singing techniques. Okay, so Did you was go that, to Nanganana? Uh, was Nangana? Nangana? Or yes. um, in his village, it sounds like it's inside. I uh, would have been also rehearsing for George. It's Brown. a rehearsal. Uh, he was a fantastic conductor. Um, mm. So Midian was younger than me. Unfortunately, he died due to cancer in 2004. Uh, he was a he was a brilliant musician, also a, a qualified um, pastor pastor yes. in the United Church. When I met him he was at Vunaulul uh, serving yeah. as a pastor there but yes. he'd been in different places and after I left he went uh, to the UK and in Manchester for a few years I think, three years he was a pastor there. Yeah he, he moved around but um, very musical guy, excellent guitarist as well. In a sense you can tell some of the differences between uh, the way he trains a choir uh, and uh, the way uh, Torlop does. Uh, of course Torlop's got a lot more people in that in the choir that we heard there. Mm. Whereas the men's group, I think, is going to be a bit smaller. But even so, you can hear some more mature voices in mm. uh, male voices. Some of the older men I can hear in mm. there. And then whoever's doing the sort of falsetto parts, they're uh, incredibly... Like, the pitch is fantastic. Mm. But with um, with Torlops, he keeps the energy uh, coming flat out. And the, the phrases are clipped at the end. 
whereas in Midian, in Andrew Midian's, the phrases are all tapered. Um, it, there's a there's a sort of bit more of rubato, kind of like a a sense of of taking each phrase as a as a piece of music in itself uh, as part of the greater whole. Interesting uh, women singing with the children in head voice, right up high. Boy, that's a pure mm. line as well. Regina Tade's choir, yeah, she was um, a fascinating woman. Um, she was uh, Roman Catholic. Yeah. And with the OLSH um, mission, uh, so Our Lady of Sacred Heart, um, she was the first Catholic woman conductor in the 1950s. So she became uh, dedicated to kind of teaching and working with, with children's choirs. And when she was a young girl, she was in a choir that won the choral competition. So from 1947 through at least to the early 1960s, there were these huge rebel choral competitions. In, in my thinking, from what I can tell from the evidence, they were started by the Australian colonial government after World War II as a kind of a distraction uh, to, to sort of bring people together, but it's also to distract them from politics. Um, because uh, a lot of the, the Tolo people were quite restless by the late 40s and 50s about moving uh, from uh, Australian to Japanese to Australian. So Germans to. German to mm. Australian to. Japanese to Australian, and, and they, were, they were basically over being told by everybody else what to do and how to be. And um, they were interested in, they were ad, ad, these were the early sort of stirrings in the late 40s for um, self-governing. The choral competition became a huge thing, like the very first year, I think 1947, they had 2,000 participants mm. and choirs from all over the gazelle and mm. so forth. So Regina was, was part of that sort of early competition culture and learning hymnody was not just about learning tunes, or songs. Uh, it was a whole system. Uh, you learned to conduct, um, you learned to harmonize as well, and you learned to arrange hymns, and you learned to adjudicate, to evaluate and judge. Too, because um, that's uh, I'm pretty sure that's my friend Andrew Midian, yes. yeah. and I'm pretty sure I recorded that in his house at Wunulul. Uh, just after we did, he'd just uh, pick up the guitar. So um, he had a classical guitar and a steel string guitar as well. That's his classical. Um, he taught himself to read music uh, through books that he bought. Uh, through first of all through a, a guitar magazine that he bought at um, Rabal Newsagents back in sort of the 1970s or something like that as a young man. Like totally, totally just out of out of a um, written form, taught himself how to read, and then how to read guitar tablature, and then how to play. So 
people like Andrew learned to play just from the radio. They didn't own the recordings, they were just here. Anytime that would come, they'd learn a bit more and then a bit more and a bit more. I didn't realize uh, I had him playing classical guitar. That's I, 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 I didn't know until I saw the... Um, actually, he was playing. That's brilliant, man. Yeah, like, uh, that, on the video. Uh, on the video, so, so I, I thought... Video. We thought we didn't have it. It's in the video, and, and that's when I said, oh, I put this on. time I met him his voice was ruined. Um, there's quite a few stories that he told me uh, that are fascinating stories uh, about uh, his participation in competitions and his winning of competitions and, and how his voice was ensorcelled by somebody because they were tired of his group winning. Um, he woke up the night before a big competition in the 70s with blood coming out of his ear and and that's when he realized that uh, someone had um, taken his uh, babat uh, out of his bag, his little sort of talisman that protected him out of his little betel nut bag, and if they if they lose their their babat or their talisman that's protecting them, they're vulnerable to people doing things uh, malevolent things to them. And <clears throat> so someone ensorcelled his voice, and uh, his voice was perfect the day before, and um, and gone on the day of the competition. And um, he said he never from that day he's never really sung properly. His mm -hmm. voice was just hoarse. Wow. Yeah. And that that's also, that guitar part is part of a texture of guitars as well. Mm. There's a number of other guitars there. And I, I think I had him demonstrating to me different guitar tunings. He, he was, uh, you know, he played in like something like 10 or 12 different guitar tunings. Mm. All with different names. Um, it's like, um, they call them key, like slack key, key. Like the Hawaiian style, they call them yeah. key. Yeah. Uh, key hualu. So they call them Tahiti key. Uh, blue key was another mm. one, blue. Mm. Key, um, uh, five key, uh, F A I V. Five key is That's Blue Mountain. Blue Mountain is another one. Another yeah. one yeah. yeah, and and he showed me that um, there's two ways of playing. There's um, picking, and there's rap. What they call rap, but mm. rap, rap key. I mean, strumming. Strumming, but rap. I mean, rough or I mean, yeah, rub. It's some, no, 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 no. Rough. Yeah, rap key. Rap key was a picking. And, yeah. And, and, and so what they would do is they'd finger a chord yeah. and then they'd alter the tuning yeah. according to that chord and oh, wow. and, and yep. so that's how you, you and yeah. then you could move your hand in certain positions mm -hmm. but you couldn't you couldn't strum in that key because it was actually um, uh, designed was actually developed to pick to so mm. so he, he came up with endless numbers of tunings <laughs> Well, you'll see that this is a, a combination of languages. He's mixing pigeon and oh, like, yeah. That's why I'm just laughing like he'll be born on one spot. So it's mixing up the languages, but anyway. Uh, no, that's my 
No, no, Remind me of the meaning of that. All right. Nogat is no. Yeah. Magit is food. So nogat is pigeon. Pigeon. Magit is quano. Oh. That's why I was just laughing because of the the mixture. And it it word. Yeah. So so is quano pigeon payao means no food is uh, uh, well suited to me or. You know, top So, like just hearing the lyrics. Nothing appeals. No food appeals to me. Anyway, glassy brook, stringy brook. I, I can't remember. He, this guy was absolutely hilarious. Um, so he was uh, in his late seventies when I met him. Um, he was a legend. Oh, man, he wrote so many songs, but he, I need yeah, interesting song about Kunai Dum Dum. Okay. So he's famous. His famous ones. There's a famous one called Kunai Dum Dum, which so there, there were these sort of colonial. Uh, songs sort of back from the colonial era where a Toma policeman, um, either a friend or relative of his, was relating a story about how... So in among Melanesians there's a lot of um, self-deprecation, self-mocking about um, when they first came, to, when they first encountered new kind of ideas. So these guys had all joined the police force and they couldn't march properly. So um, there was a guy in the police force who they couldn't put, they're going lip, right, lip, Right, right, and they're trying to teach them, and some are moving right, some are moving left, and they're all out of sync. So one of them comes up with this brilliant idea: tie these two. There's two different kinds of grass. One called kunai, kunai. which is this blade grass, and there's one called dumdum. Dum -dum. And dumdum is like a. It's got sort of thick um, roots. Like when you pull it out, the kids chew on it to get yeah, water out of it. Yeah. And uh, you tie that, and then you say kunai dumdum, kunai dumdum, and you learn how to march. And the, the entire Tolo police force and Manus police force learn how to march properly because of this. Um, of course, it's made up. But, yeah, uh, yeah. but but he, he composed the song, and, it, and, yeah. and everybody knows about yeah. this like, kunai yeah. dumdum, like yeah. learn how to march. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Nanook, huh? Yeah, so Tim Nanook, so Tim, the old word for a string band string was, team. was Tim, T-I-M or team, like a sports team. It comes from uh, soccer or rugby. Mm. Um, so that, that was before they called them a band. Mm. You know, it was a Tim, Tim. because that, that's the only way a bunch of guys would get together. They thought, oh, Tim, it's the same as a sports team. Um, this, uh, it's hard from this distance to recall any details about this song. Okay. I'd have to go back into it, but what's yeah. it, what are they singing about? All right, now you... Kwanua? You notice the language? The language is not Kwanua. Okay. It's Samoan. Ah, okay. So what, is it a religious song? Uh, I it is. Second I, I'm, I'm assuming it is, but I, I can't tell. Could, yeah, so the thing is, I, I can't also, I'm a bit hazy on this, but would uh, Nanook, would, would Stanley Tokulapa be in this band? Yeah, the, the Stanley's in this one. Okay, so his his book, his band originally, I can't remember the entire name, but they had something to do with spiders. Yeah. The spider string band, that was the original band. Now, yeah. now he was a guy who um, told me that, uh, so he had songs from, and tunings and songs from uh, Nauru, yeah. Nauruki, Tahiti, yeah. Yeah. Samoa. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so sailors picked all these songs yeah. up too. Um, mm. it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, there's two things I want to kind of comment on the string bands. Mm. Uh, one, 
this sort of tune or style is not played anymore. It's, it's evolved into a, a current style of string bands these days. The modern contemporary string bands are totally different mm -hmm. from what used to be played. And, and secondly, I listened to your interviews that they were the first string band of the Gazelle mm. Peninsula and I, I got a bit confused because I thought it was the Eagle voice. Mm. So they, they insist they were the first, so I, I don't know what your... These guys could could very well be because if it's Stanley Tokulova, mm. uh, I really trust and believe. Uh, him, he's a very old man when I interviewed him. He had a lot of old stories and I think he must be um, on the money about that. Mm. And I think the Eagles, maybe they have a parallel history, but it's a different history, I think. Mm. Mm. It comes yeah. from a different yeah. kind of area. Yes. Just as Jack Thomas' um, yes. style yes. of playing is quite yeah. different over the Duke of York's. Electric, yeah. No, well, it's still called the Eagle voice, but... It sounds yeah. like that, but they yeah, that's put through a radio or that's something correct. like that. Yeah. Uh, notice this is a lot more sort of cowboy yeah. influence, yeah, yeah, it's like hillbilly yeah, style. Right. Yeah. Um, this is influenced by the sort of Hank Williams and so forth recordings that were played on the radio. got a bit of an influence of central mm. um, central province mm. uh, Papuan style as well like they've obviously heard some it, it still sounds tolerate to me but mm. obviously the language as yeah. well I, I agree with that, that, yeah. that there's some external influence on this yeah. as compared to yeah the so you've got um, you could sort of hear that the other one um, emerges kind of in a vacuum this someone's been listening to records like um, sort mm. of cowboy records mm. and mm. and also the central it's got this sort of rhythmic loaf yes. of the central style yes. but mm. it doesn't does not to say that they're imitating it could that the influence could go back the other way as well it could have been from eagles to to moresby A rehearsal, but it also could be at yeah. um, Tumna Parao. Exactly. Yeah. It was a Tumna Parao. Yeah. Tumna Parao was the this big reconciliation or a big sort of annual memorial ceremony ceremony that they have uh, in the area where uh, four Fijian pastor teachers were killed in 1878. So the band would go and pay tribute to the to the families and to the memory of the the teachers. So this is. This is like a hundred, over a hundred years later. Mm. So where did, who brought the in? Like how did the instrument? Uh, David Crawley. Crawley was trained as a bassoonist in Britain and he trained uh, the bugle players of um, the colonial police. Uh, sort of for the very, he, I think he went there in 1935. So he started training bugle players. And he goes, you guys can play more than bugle. You could, we, I could form a whole band here. So he asked 
the colonial officials, can I, can I form a band? And they said, no, these guys are thick, you can't, uh, you won't be able to teach them. And he would take, wouldn't take no for an answer, so he purchased instruments himself. Mm. Uh, he trained the band in um, secrecy, sort of like the, the Kunabak mm. kind of idea where in traditional music, the performers all go and uh, isolate themselves um, to purify themselves, uh, to, to learn the dances and the tunes and get ready for performances. And it gives the performance sort of the, its, its magical aura as well. What's the young trip? Is it the young trip, coconut? Trip, yeah. The young coconut. Yeah, they, mm. they spray that all over the dancers' faces before they go and dance. <coughs> you were asking about the, the powder? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could that was explaining to her that. So trip is so that it, they, they drink it, they drink it's it sterile. And then they spray it like the he sprays that, but then they also that's a magical thing that they spray yeah over the over the over the dancers and it sort of a little bit gets into the crowd and it it creates this kind of aura magical aura as well that kind of attracts audiences and and so this is part of um well, in uh, magic way, only pull him. Well, the, the, word, the word bad is for the, the females. Not that, but just the general term. The general, uh, uh, well, like gugu, meaning like yeah. you... you uh, yeah, that's gugu, but one, there's another word. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, uh, langoron. Uh, langoron. 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 Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the word is langoron. That, that, is, uh, that is real magical spells and, you know, the aura. Yeah. Langoron is, uh, yeah. Mm. The whole aesthetic combination yeah. of the performance that, that pulls you into it and you can't pull yeah, yourself away, I, I, you're, you're mesmerized. That, that, that's the word. That, that's actually, you can see people collapsing and like the, um, or the, the, the influence of that special magical connection will make people, it stands out like trance. Trance, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think it must be David at the base. Is that Kepas on base? Yeah. Ah, this, this is a recording. Yeah. This is like a studio recording. No, no, no. I'll tell you what it is. Well, think of a ceremony in Rabao. Pacific Gold. No. Um, the Melanesian Spearhead. Ah, uh, okay, MSG. MSG. Okay. Wow. It was hosted in Rabaul and... Yeah, it was at Queen's... Or Queen's Park. The, the, the Queen's opening ceremony was at Queen's yeah. Park. And yeah, and he was... It was Stalag playing. Ah, okay. He, he didn't have the, the band in 1993. He didn't have a band yet? Well, he'd already played with uh, the Moab string band. The Moab was a string yeah. band, but... But there's an electric band. He's playing now in the electric band. Mm. I didn't even know I had this recording, man. Like, on the video. That's it, a live recording. I took it out of the video. The MS did this one um, uh, of the collections under Melanesian Spearhead. Yeah. About. Yeah, yeah. And, and there are a series of dances plus the That's a classic telec voice. Yeah. Like young telec voice. He's a young He's a, yeah. yeah. That was when he was, um, you know, just a rising pop star. Yeah, he was rising that time. Mm. Because I, I remember you interviewing him down at uh, Waterfront. Yeah. Yeah. He just come back. He yeah. come back from Melbourne. The first yeah. time he's been to Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that that the MSG was actually formed more or less by Melanesian countries. Um, one of their big platforms was to um, to liberate West Papua. Mm. 
so it has a really venerable history, mm. uh, that group. Mm. Well, that's all the recordings. That's good. Uh, well, that's hope we got a selection of the music. Wow, yeah. That's uh, nostalgia for me, but um, <laughs> it's it also, uh, in, in a sense, it confirms the, the diversity and the, the kind of um, the creative breadth um, that was going on over a long period of time. Uh, which um, I hadn't quite heard of it all together and thought of it like that. Yeah. Thank you, Michael Webb, for joining us on Toksave Culture Talks and sharing your amazing recordings knowledge connecting my Tolai culture and heritage. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you'd like to listen to Michael's recordings, they are available as the MW6 collection in our online catalogue. For access and more information about Paradisec, you can visit our website at www.paradisec.org.au. Toksave Culture Talks was launched as part of the United Nations International Year of Indigenous Languages in 2019. We would like to acknowledge the support of the University of Sydney Vice-Chancellor's Fund for the digitisation of Michael Webb's collection. We would also like to acknowledge the support of the Australian Research Council's Centre of Excellence for the Dynamics of Language and the University of Sydney, the University of Melbourne and the Australian National University.